course, you're naked. <laughs> naked, dressed. I don't see any difference. You ought to sit here. There's a difference. You got something against the naked body? I got something against yours. How about a couple deep knee bends? Maybe some squat thrusts? Who's got time for squat thrusts? All right. How about skipping breakfast? I'm guessing you're not a half grapefruit and black coffee man. Oh, I like a good breakfast. I understand. I like a good breakfast. As long as you don't wind up trapped in a room in bib overalls and pigtails being counseled by Dick Gregory. I'm not ashamed of my body. Exactly. That's your problem. You should be. Welcome to Talking Sci-Fi, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week we are here to review a classic episode of Seinfeld from Season 3. It is The Subway. I'm Dando. I'm Guy. How are you, sir? I'm feeling very good. I feel like I took a nice 25-minute holiday in New York City. It really just felt like... It just felt like you experienced New York watching this episode, doesn't it? It's, it's just really great. Not a whole lot happens, but it does. And that's what I love about these episodes, where it's it's similar to the vibe of the the, um, the Chinese restaurant and things like that in the parking garage, where it feels like it's all happening in one moment. Mm. But I just I just love the it gives you a real taste of of New York, doesn't it? It's a lot richer in atmosphere than it is in story. There's story, of course, stuff happens, but yeah, you you're really just sort of soaking it all up. Yeah, yeah, and, and the, then the, the, the crazy thing, as wacky as it all seems, you feel like you could see this happening on the subway in New York. Like you feel like <laughs> if you if you went to the subway, one of these things would likely happen. A fat naked oh, guy sitting next to you. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that he wakes up and says, yes, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that's worth saying. Not a great like a lot of dialogue in this episode. Just sort of like a bunch of moments mm. where you're just sort of watching stuff going down. But I don't think the dialogue was needed. It was just, it felt so real. I don't know. As wacky as it seemed, it just felt real. I really, enjoy, yeah. I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. And look, there are certainly episodes of Seinfeld where the dialogue is front and center. You know, you've got memorable exchanges and one-liners and all that kind of business. There's, I don't think there's that many in this. Uh, yeah, but you're right. It's a lot of physical comedy in this one, not... Now, not only from Michael Richards, who was kind of the uh, the reigning heavyweight champion of Seinfeld um, physical acting, but you know everyone gets a gets a bit to do. Even Jerry, uh, <laughs> I think, when he's falling asleep on that guy in the subway, uh, you know, it's not <laughs> classic physical uh, comedy acting, but it's like no, even Jerry's having a go at this. It's good. No, a, f- a fun episode. Yeah, I think Jerry and Kramer's stories were my favourite. I think Elaine was probably the most relatable. George had a funny a funny spin, but I thought the um the ending was a little bit much. Where he was walking in wearing the blanket, I was like, yeah. eh, this feels very this feels very sitcommy. Feels very Friends." <laughs> but, That's uh, true. But, over, but overall, I um yeah, I really enjoyed it. What do you think of the fat shaming? <laughs> there was a bit of it. Yeah. I was like, I'm not sure whether Jerry could say this on television in 2000 in 2022. Not really. No, I mean. It felt to me like, I don't know how much acting is going into this, Jerry. 
<laughs> yeah, it feels you like you don't like fat people. <laughs> you seem very vehement against this gentleman's shape. Now, admittedly, you'd get a bit of a surprise if you were, you know, riding on the subway and looked up and, yeah, here's a, a heavy set. A behemoth. Uh, yeah, well, not even a behemoth, just a big guy uh, sitting across from me with no clothes. And, and on top of that, hairy dude. <laughs> I mean, it's a uh, always a wonderful combo, big and hairy. Tell it, take it from someone who knows, guys. But uh, <laughs> you're right. I mean, certainly, yeah, three decades or so down the line, you'd be listening to Jerry <laughs> sort of tearing strips off this guy and be going, that's not cool, man. <laughs> I mean, to our um, naked pal's credit, he sort of takes it with, you know, he, he's not really that affected by it. It's like, yeah, no, man, it is what it that's is. What I, that, that's what I liked about it, the fact that he was just like, no, you can say what you want, man. I don't give a shit. I'm happy. You're the yeah. one who's judging. You're the one who's not happy, clearly. I'm, I'm fine with who I am. That's a very good point. And, yeah, I, I, it's it's hard to imagine that they didn't have that in mind when they were writing it. I mean, yeah, Jerry coming off with kind of like a jerk and this guy being very, yeah, he's quite uh, quite at ease with it. <laughs> it's funny. It, it's, it's almost like the second, well, there are two separate incidents involving bigger people. In, the, in this episode. I mean, when yes. Kramer's trying to find a seat and he ends up sort of squished next to that big guy who just has this very serene, like, Buddha-like expression on their face when they're like, mm. you know, they're probably used to this, probably used to some dipshit trying to go, oh, this big guy's taking up all this. It's like, yeah, well, I'm here. I'm taking up space. Get used to it. The funniest thing was there was the extras couldn't contain their laughter. Did you see them all in the background just start cracking up laughing? Mm, I did see one. Of, yeah, some smirks on some faces, absolutely. With, um, with Jerry and the fat guy, though, what I liked about that was it was almost like a tale of never judge a book by its cover. Because at first, Jerry was just being an absolute prick to him, not fat shaming him, saying, you know, you should be embarrassed, you're naked on the subway, blah, blah, blah. Then they become best mates. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny that it's the fat shaming that we're sort of noticing and that, you know, comes to the forefront. I mean, <laughs> that thing about Jerry saying, well, you got something against the naked body? No, I got something against yours. You know, that's... <laughs> That's your problem. You should be ashamed. All yeah. that stuff—he's going for that. When the thing is like, why is this guy taking off his clothes on a subway train? It's, it's, it's kind of strange. <laughs> it's a little strange, and course, again, maybe that's the point. But um, yeah, I think it's funny that you know Jerry's just you know going with the fat gags when it's been like, why did you take your clothes off? What's going on here? What's going on in your life? Yeah, has, so um, has, has Naked Man been in anything else? He's played by a man called Ernie Sabella. Does that name ring a bell to you? Um, he's been on a few sitcoms. He's one of these guys who's just... Oh, wait know, a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. He is known yeah. for his role as Pumba in the Lion King franchise. What? He's the voice <laughs> of Pumba. Get the fuck out. No way. And Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Voice of Pumba. He can't be in, in, in 994. Let's have a look. Well, I'll be fucked. He is. <laughs> he is the voice of Pumba. There you go. Yeah, that is crazy. That's crazy, right? It's a little crazy. <laughs> I'm just like, who is this guy? This fact, you know, what's he known for? Being the fat guy on the subway of the voice of Pumba. I mean, to a gener- my generation, that's a big deal. He's the voice of fucking Pumba. <laughs> he is also on Perfect Strangers with Cousin Balky. Was he okay? All right. And also, apparently, he played Leon Carosi in Saved by the Bell. Yeah. So he's, he's one of those guys his- who's you know, had a career. Yeah, known for his role in the Broadway theater of Guys and Dolls, Curtains, and Man of La Mancha. Okay. So, yeah, a, a working New York actor who, you know, every once in a while it's like, hey, audition for this Disney movie, you know, yeah, it might, might turn into something. And it turns into The Lion King. 
That's awesome. I'm I'm happy for this dude now. It makes me happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, and what also Barbara Stock. I thought she did a great job as the scam woman. Also very good. Yeah, she's what I was thinking about as well when I was thinking about you know just actors who you know they don't never become stars, but they sort of work consistently. I looked up Barbara Stock, you know, after this episode because oh, she's really good, and you know she was on a. Uh, 80s TV. Uh, yeah, she was on Dallas. She was on Spencer for Hire, which I used to watch as a kid thinking, ooh, grown up, you know, private detective adventures. Fantastic. Fantasy Island she was on. Remington Steel? The A-Team? Yeah. On Night Rider? Yeah, a real just collection of all your 80s favourites, you know, just popping yeah. up and, you know, I'm on, it's, it's, it's like Rick Dalton from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's like, yeah. well, I got an FBI and next week I'm on, I'm on so-and-so. <laughs> it's like, and you know, she, I think she quit acting in the early 2000s and opened her own interior design business, according to our friends at Wikipedia, who would not lie to us. Barbara Stock <laughs> Interiors is still open as of 2020. Good hopefully she made it through the pandemic. Yes, hopefully so. Yeah, well. But she did a good job in this episode. I mean, I of course, like- you, you, would, you would get off the train. Yes, he certainly would get off the train. Yeah, I cannot blame George for um for what he did here. What I'd love about this, actually, let's get into our favourite moments. Let's get into our favourite moments because I was about to get into it. That is a good one, still. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourites. All right, so one of my favourite moments from this episode was George's inability to not tell a bullshit life story. Like once he starts <laughs> going, he just keeps going. Like talking about his dad being in the stock market. It's like you could just say, "Oh, my dad was in the stocks," but he just keeps going and going and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. I'm like. It's just the epitome of George. Once he starts, yeah. once the ball starts rolling, he can't stop. It's just so great. I'm not an authority on Death of a Salesman, the, the play that they're, uh, they talk yep. about a bit in, in this, and you know Jerry referring to him as Biff, which is you know a bit of a bit of a rag. Also mentioned in our recent episode of Goo Goo Guy Pan on The Simpsons. Ah, there we go. Correct. But yeah, it's almost like uh, George is <laughs> using the story of Biff and his father Willie Loman, who was the salesman in Death of a Salesman. And so like, oh, yeah, it just got to him. Oh, they crushed him metaphorically and all this kind of stuff. And so, oh, I think you're borrowing from Death of a Salesman, you know, to fill in your own sort of blanks here, George. It's nice work on the part of uh, this episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, it's just very, very great. I also really enjoyed, in particular, just the acting, physical acting of Michael Richards when Kramer's watching the race. Just the hitting the paper on the table like he's, like he's the jockey. <laughs> just fuck that, that. That gets used all the time when it's Melbourne Cup Day. Like people sports bet and all that. Always just take that clip and show every you know every punter right now kind of thing. But I just thought that moment there, the 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 array of emotions he goes through while watching this race from like the epitome of happiness and sadness and then it's mm. happiness again and it's just the, the I just think it's so great. Like have you, have you ever taken a punt on something, a race, a football game? A, have, you, you know, have you ever laid a bet oh, on something? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I bet on a few races back in the day. and um, The elation of winning is something else. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, we, you know, gamble responsibly. <laughs> but I, Naturally. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't gamble anymore. I, I, I'm, last time I gambled, I think, was the 2011 Geelong Premiership game. I think it was the last time I actually put money on a game. But, I um, yeah, I just particularly just loved that clip. I just the, the way he slapped that fucking paper on the table was just like the greatest. Oh, yeah, it just it's, starts it's off like happens. he's just hitting it, but then he yeah, it sort of evolves into him actually being the jockey. It's yeah, it's, it's like what funny. happens when you like you're bowling or something. You sort of like move your body as if you're like moving the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, or playing pinball or something, whatever. Like yeah, like you're know, playing a video. You should play a racing game. You like turn the controller like you're steering it. Yeah, it's just, it, you, you just get captivated. I just really liked it. 
Mm. What did you enjoy? Uh, yeah, the, uh, we talked about it before, but the evolution of that relationship between Jerry and the naked man on the subway, it starts off a bit not antagonistic, well, antagonistic on Jerry's part, certainly. But, yeah, by the end, it's like, all right, get off. We're going to go to Coney Island together. We, you know, we'll get a hot dog and, you know, ride the cyclone and... I love that when he goes, you know, we're at the cyclone, get a hot dog from Nathan's. I'm like, it just sounds like a fun day out, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So I, I, um, I very much enjoy that. And I think my, my favourite part of the episode was actually uh, Elaine's desperation when she's, yeah. first of all, the, the, the train has stalled or it's stopped or whatever. And, you know, she's getting, I think a lot of people have been in that situation where, you know, oh, you're in a long queue or you're in a tight space and just, or you're a traffic jam or something. It's like, why the f- why is this happening? Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> when, you, when there's traffic, it's like everyone else's fault. I mean, you're part of the problem. You're also in the traffic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can't help projecting like three kilometers down the road. It's like, some. What are you doing? Yeah, some digger didn't take care of their car. <laughs> Don't let that person in. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that. <laughs> Why are you letting them in? Yeah. <laughs> so Don't uh, be nice. We haven't got time for nice. Fuck courtesy. Having said that, I mean, are you are you someone who will let someone like emerge? Will you let will you let one person in and then not another? Like, if it's absolute chaos, right? Mm. And if I haven't had to wait for too long, I'll always let someone in because it just makes sense to keep the traffic flowing, right? Yeah, but it's only one person. You know, like there's yes. like maybe four or five cars banked up. It's like I'm letting one of you in. One. Yeah. The person behind me. They can let one in. And once that car starts making their way and you start creeping forward, it's to say, motherfucker, behind that car, don't you think you're getting out either? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get in and you're right on their tail. He's like, yeah. you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're so, going yeah. nowhere, buddy. Yeah, so I think I think uh, our lovely lady, JLD, really expressed that you know, desperation well. You know, just talking, think about people in concentration camps. Think about being a hostage, you know, and it's just getting more and more and more and more just infuriating. I love yeah. that. I thought it was really funny. It was very good. Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. All right. It is time for some trivia, some Seinfeld trivia for the subway. But before we get into trivia, it is, of course, time we read out the names of our $20 patrons who support us Yay. each and every month on the Four Finger Discount Patreon channel because this show is brought to you by the Four Finger Discount Network. Kicking off with our man Andrew Zur, Steamed Ham Champion Dylan Haggett, Pete Anderson, Jordan Moleman Ritchie, Christopher Darby, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bala Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Lewis Kavanagh, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Adric McLeod, and Preston Murray. Thank you guys so much for your ongoing support. If you do want to support us here at Four Finger Discount, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount, where as little as one single dollar you do, you can get access to our Facebook community exclusive for patrons our commentary of the simpsons movie and a bunch of other exclusive podcasts also on our patreon we have our tales of futurama podcast we have the movie guys podcast you get early access to all the other shows we do here in the network this show four finger discount the simpsons podcast we do uh the one about friends which has officially returned which i host with my wife nicola as well as going down to south park and you get access to monthly zoom calls with yours truly and mr guy davis so just for as little as one single dollar we do, you can support us here and help the empire grow. All right, your first question, Mr. Davis. Ooh, some 
Good spruik in there, Dando. But uh, first question to you. Mm-hmm. Kramer owes how much in parking tickets or how much in traffic tickets? 600 Over 600 bucks. Over 600 bucks. All right. My first question is, which ticket is Kramer going to fight? I'm going to fight that one, he says. No doors. No doors on his car. <laughs> According to George on the stock pages, IBM is up what? Oh, a lot? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very vague. IBM is up a quarter. A quarter. Okay. I know nothing about stocks. I know absolutely nothing. Nor do I. I'm starting to think I should learn a little. Uh, apparently, what you do is you just throw a couple of bucks at an index fund, which index. is um, sort of, a, it spreads your money across a variety of uh, stocks. So, when you say a couple, you mean a couple of thousand, right? Well, <laughs> maybe a couple of hundred to begin yes. with, or even 50. My next question is, Kramer hears about a horse winning, and what were the odds? Oh, hang on a sec. Uh, oh... 30 to 1? Well done. Very good. By the way, while we're on that, yeah. who is the, what is the name of the UPS guy with the horse tips? Ooh, good question. I have no idea. What was it? It was Lance. Lance. Seems like the kind of guy that'd be hanging out at the TAB. Old Lance. <laughs> uh, my next question is, the woman is staying where? It's the Hotel Edison. Correct. Hotel Edison. All right. Uh, I have one last question for you. Hit me. George's suit cost how much and where did he get it? Mm, I don't know where he got it from, but was it worth 400? 300. It was worth 300, 350 bucks. 350, damn it, in between. And he got it at Mo Ginsburg. There you go. My final question is, what's the name of the horse that he puts the money on? Oh, is it Pepper Jack? Papanick. Papanick. <laughs> yes. All right, that is trivia for the subway. We'll be right back, guys, after this short break with our in-depth review of the subway. Yeah. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon, where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of the subway was January 8th, 1992. So this was the first episode of Seinfeld to ever air in 1992. It was written by Larry Charles and directed by Tom Sharonis. <laughs> the episode kicks off with some stand-up discussing bumper cars. When I was a kid, uh, my favorite ride was uh, the bumper car ride. Remember that ride? Going around in a circle. There was always one kid on the bumper cars that could not do it. Do you remember this kid? As soon as the ride gets started, he'd be, like, stuck in a pack of empty cars. Just... Excuse me! Excuse me, it won't go! Come on! 
it's almost over. <laughs> you know, he always ends up with the attendant hanging off that big pole, helping him steer it, you know. <laughs> Stop crying. <laughs> That other, one other really bad car, the helpless father and son team. This is another car just not going anywhere. They're never organized. Who's on the wheel? Who's pressing on the gas? They're just, oh, son, turn the wheel. I guess the tie in here was the fact they go to Coney Island. But I did like the stand up here because it's so true. Like, it's actually on point. There's always that one kid that doesn't know how to do it, and the guy's like yeah. helping him. And the way he like does the, he's hanging onto the side and steering the wheel with the other hand. It happens every time. There's always that one kid that doesn't figure it out. And then there's the, the helpless father and his son. They're never organized. I don't know who's putting the pedal down. I just thought this was great. <laughs> when do you think you grow out of bumpers and dodge them cars? When you're old enough to go on the Alibaba. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you, you, you're usually around 12 or 13, aren't you, when you're- so- I, I would say probably like eight to 10. I feel like- Oh, okay. what a late bloomer I was. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It just feels like, well, it gets to a point now where your parents are like, all right, we have this much money to spend on rides. And you go, mm. I do like the dodgems, but I want to have money for like the zipper, you know? Yeah. You start to feel a bit more brave and you're like, I think I'm going to go on the Mad Mouse. I'm going to take on the cha-cha. <laughs> but I, I, because the Geelong show was on recently, and we didn't go because we were unwell and the weather was shit anyway, but we're going to take Elliot next year. But look at these rides, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm okay with my son going on these rides. They'll put up, like, yesterday by these fucking hillbillies. Like, are they safe? <laughs> I think you can trust a carny. <laughs> can you? <laughs> didn't someone, like, didn't a child, like, die, like, just a couple of years ago at the Adelaide show or something? Oh, maybe. I mean, there was a story recently about the woman who, oh, my phone fell under the under That the was her it, fault. That was her fault. How did you not see the the, uh, the roller coaster thing coming? Wasn't there a ride yeah, operating? She's like, I'm just going to climb this fence and go into the ride whilst it's yeah. operating. Is that right? To get my, to get my phone. It's like, no, no. No. Don't do that. No, that phone's long gone. <laughs> Apparently she got all messed up. I'm sorry. It, it's probably not okay. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not cool for us to be sort of. No, but that's that's not the Carney's fault. As we should, as well, I was putting down Carney's. Yes, and I'm pro Carney. This is a. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> I've got a career waiting for me as a Carney. If someone said to you gap year as a Carney, would you do it? If Absolutely, it I would. If it paid all right, you'd do it. Even if it didn't pay that well, <laughs> I think it'd be fantastic. Free fairy uh, you know, tra- couple of show bags. Around. You're traveling around regional Australia, you know. You you're probably doing hard work, but you know you crack a VB at the end of the night. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> good stuff. But the thing is, your contract says right, eighty grand for the year plus ten Birdie Beetle show bags. Right, <laughs> you've got to get a Birdie Beetle show bag as part of your contract. Birdie Beetles are a wonderful, um, wonderful lolly, wonderful uh, piece of chocolate uh, confectionery. Who Do they makes still make them? them? Yeah, they're, they're still, not they're still got the Birdie Beetle show bags. Is it Cab- It is Cadbury, is it? Is it Cadbury? I'm not, well, I know they got bought out, didn't they? Makers of Bertie Beetle, if you're listening to uh, this episode of Talking Seinfeld on the Four Finger Discount Network, uh, look, we're open to you know receiving some Bertie Beetles, eating them live on the uh, on the pod, yeah, and letting everyone know how good they are. Here we go. So it's a small chocolate bar manufactured by Nestle, not Cadbury, Nestle. <sighs> mm-hmm. It consists of chocolate coated a chocolate coated bar containing small pieces of honeycomb. That is shaped like a beetle. I hadn't. Oh, okay. I thought they meant the little bits were shaped like beetles. I was going to say, I had no idea. No, the actual chocolate <laughs> is shaped like a beetle. It was originally created as a way to use up the honeycomb that was left over from the production of Violet Crumble Bars. There's a fun fact. That is a fun fact. 
<laughs> Originally manufactured in Australia, today they are manufactured in a factory in New Zealand. For many years, Birdie Beetles were generally only available to the public in show bags and sold at the Australian shows. Uh, that's, uh, that's how I remember it being. You could only get them in show bags at the show or um, at K- in KFC Kids Meals. Yeah, it's why you went to the show. It's like, oh, Birdie it Beetles. Really, it really was for the Birdie Beetles show bag. I wonder if you can buy them just by themselves now. I'm assuming you could. I imagine if you got on the internet, you'd find someone who could send you some birdie beetles. Yeah, I'd hook you up with a birdie. You want a birdie? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I want to be hooked up with a birdie beetle. Nestle, if you're listening, give us some birdie beetles. Nestle, come on. Do right. Do Make the right it happen. Thing. Make it happen. All right, enough talking about the shows. Let's get into the episode. So, Rat Monks, <laughs> the gang's all there, and they're discussing how to get to Coney Island on the subway. Kramer's explanation is far too difficult. <laughs> I was going to start writing some of this shit down because I figured, oh, Dan is going to ask a question about something. No, here. I'm not that cruel. Like, no, nah, that, that's too much information, and I've got to. I'm going to have to hit, keep hitting the. Go back ten seconds. Go back ten seconds. Yeah. No. <laughs> Elaine's like, isn't the D just go straight to Coney Island? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just take that one. But then George says he's got a job interview. It's his second interview. It's at nine forty-five, mm-hmm. and Jerry tells him to not whistle in the elevator. Well, don't whistle in the elevator is the actual quote, comparing him to Biff from Death of a Salesman. What time's the lesbian wedding? 9.30. Lesbian wedding. How do they work the bride and groom on that? What, do they flip a coin? Yeah, they flip a coin. What, was that not politically correct? It's a, it's a legitimate question. I'm so tired. I fall asleep on that train. I always get the feeling when lesbians are looking at me, they're thinking, that's why I'm not a heterosexual. <laughs> Come on, let's go pick up the check so we can go. Oh, I'm paying for breakfast? Yeah. 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 Why do I always pay? What am I, made of money? You bunch of deadbeats. I'm kind of siding with Jerry here. This is assuming that Jerry's going to pay for all their meals. I'm like, what? (laughs) I know it's set up for the gag at the end, but still, just walking out and expecting one other dude to pay for everything, I'm like, it's a bit cheap, you deadbeats. (laughs) So we're now on the subway, and Kramer's got a bunch of ticket offences, I mean, of course, Kramer does. There's always you've always got that one mate that's just always getting tickets for something, never pays them. Always got an excuse why he's got them. <laughs> always trying to get out of them. Uh, George, the, the violinist, walks by. The, the blind guy, George, always the excuse. I, I can't carry change. It just it falls out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and Elaine ends up giving him money. He's not blind. <laughs> why are you giving him money? Mm. And the guy sort of turns and looks at at, at, um, at George. And then Jerry asks, you know, so who's going to come to Coney Island with me? And I like we got a bit of a, a sort of a, a throwback here to the car. A callback, yeah, to the stolen yeah. car. Yeah, he got his, um, he got his, his <laughs> car out. It, what happened? It got Simon Eyes and the front wheels got aligned. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you know, let's go, John George, ride the cyclone, hot dog at Nathan's. But George can't. He's like, what are you doing to me, man? It's my second job interview. I'm going to get this place. I'm going to get this job. Well, wasn't that the last episode that he, like every, it's like every episode, either someone's got a new job or a new girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, it's like the opposite of the Simpsons. You can't maintain the status quo. Elaine is going to be the best man at the, at the wedding. So she can't miss that. And Kramer's got to go to court to pay his ticket. So no one can go with Jerry. So Jerry says, oh, I can't go on rides alone. He's all sad about it. They all get off the subway and they all go their separate ways. <laughs> I loved, I loved Elaine's just, you know, See ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no one, no one's saying goodbye to him. Yeah, no, no, everyone just walks off. Yeah. Then we get Jerry just sitting on the subway, just awkwardly staring at the naked man who isn't quite naked just yet. No. no. So something I'm very curious about, just that turning point or that uh, that decision that he made. It's like, all right, time to get nude. Yeah. 
started getting nude. George then sits near the um, near a very pretty woman. He's sort of they're making eyes, and Kramer tries to push his way onto a seat, and he ends up squeezing next to a fat guy. And as we said, the, the extras just couldn't contain their laughter. It's just I don't know something about Michael Richards. Just it's, he just goes that extra mile, doesn't he? Oh God, yeah, he really sort of throws himself into uh, <laughs> any physical uh, opportunity that he that comes his way. Then we go back to Jerry, and he's, he's falling the guy, asleep on the guy's shoulder, and he moves and knocks his head. There was no dialogue for like two minutes in this episode. It was just them just sort of like engaging their surroundings. Mm. Yeah, so Jer- Jerry's still falling asleep on this guy's shoulder. The woman then rubs her leg up against near George, and they sort of like chuckle at each other. So there's a uh, sparks are starting to fly there, but she's just leading him along. He doesn't realize yet. He's too- I mean, let's put ourselves in George's situation. If this happened when we were single, ready to mingle, we wouldn't immediately think she's hustling us, would we? Oh no, no. I mean, I think enough people have. A high enough opinion of themselves and their allure to, to someone else. They're like, yeah, of course I'm going to be picked up on the train. Why not? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Yeah, it's life in the big city. Are you looking for a job? Me? Why? Uh, well, you're reading the classifieds. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I, uh, <laughs> I was just looking for the stock page. Uh, ah, there it is. <laughs> looking for the quotes. Got to check the quotes. Love a good quote. Oh, IBM up a quarter. <laughs> you, know. you didn't look like someone who needed a job. Me? No, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Doing very well. Very well. Yeah. So you're in the market? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm uh, in the market. <laughs> Which market? Which market? The uh, big one. The uh, big market. The big boy. <laughs> market, bear market, you name the market, I'm there. <laughs> so do you work for one of the big brokerage houses? They wish. I hate the big brokerage houses. Hate them with a passion. Big brokerage houses killed my father. Really? Well, they hurt him bad. Really hurt his feelings. It's a long story. I, I don't like to talk about it. But uh, I swore there and then that I would never work for a big brokerage house. You see, all they care about is money. I'm about more than money. I'm about uh, people. So I've always gone my own way, and uh, I've never looked back. <laughs> then we get Elaine, and she starts chatting to this woman who's been riding the subway since the 40s. In those days, men would give up a seat for a woman, but now that we're liberated, we've got to stand up. And then Elaine says she's going to a lesbian wedding, and all of a sudden it's just like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that seems like a very, oh, God, would anyone be doing that these days they're probably they're they're actually no they're they're definitely are people like that out there who go oh what a woman's marrying a woman what i'm not i'm not not sure so much now definitely in 1992 oh yeah but i'm I'm sure there are still people like that out there they don't quite understand that it's normal (laughs) or just (laughs) disapprove yeah i don't talk to a soul for 35 years now i get the best man at a lesbian wedding (laughs) of it then uh, Elaine, I hate men, but I'm not lesbian. It's still, it's still in that period where being considered gay was like a negative. Yeah, or at least um, unusual enough to be like, oh, oh okay, okay. Well, yeah, right. I think we'd gone gone past the disapproval stage to more like, oh, okay, oh, <laughs> a homosexual. So rare to see one in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Uh, we're still out of time because we just reviewed an episode of Friends on our the one about Friends podcast and there's a gay guy on there and he refers to himself as speaking for 
our people, like as if it was like a different form of life. <laughs> like, yeah, like a different but, breed yeah. of human. Our but people. Al- also, yeah, also, that's that wonderful wry gay sense of humour where it's like, yes, we're that different that I have to get yeah, that I'm speaking a foreign language. <laughs> Kramer then fights over the newspaper. I love here that obviously there's no way they could have planned the rip of the newspaper. Like that just happened. But then for Michael Richards to then have the genius to pretend to read that little piece of ripped paper that he ripped off the paper, I thought was just great. Because mm. it's, it's just like it rips as he's pulling it away and he just immediately goes, well, I'm going to start reading this. Like there's no, <laughs> I, In my opinion, I felt there's no way I could have planned that. It just seems so organic and real, which I thought was great. Jerry is still asleep. The guy's rolling his eyes. The naked man's rolling his eyes at him. I'm really looking forward to this. I love weddings. Maybe I'll meet somebody. Maybe not. Oh, man. We're stopping? This is where the train stops with George. And the woman, he's like, where, where are you going? Well, this is where I get off. And George is like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, George is just not having it at all. He's like, all right, what am I going to do? Second, second job interview or take a chance at this lady? I mean, you're going to be taking a chance at the lady, right? Any man would do that. In George's situation. I have written down here, George, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, George. No. <laughs> Take yourself back to when you're, I mean, obviously George is a bit older. Remember, he's supposed to be in his early 30s, I think, at this point. He's desperate. I think so, yeah. He's lonely. This woman's going to eventually find <laughs> it that he's not working. But he, he might as well, yeah, ride this train as, as best he can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, nah, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Did you think there was a, a little hidden sexual innuendo there where she goes, this is where I get off? Oh, yeah, very much. (laughs) (laughs) George gets stuck in the doors. He's trying to get off. Then we get Kramer over here in the inside tips on the horses. There it is. There it is. A four horse in the first race. Pumping it. How do you know he's going to win? My UPS guy, Lance. The guys who own the horse are his regular customers. Every horse he's ever given me is one. Yeah? Yeah, see, they've been sandbagging, looking for a good spot. He's been getting in light because they're using a bug boy on him, and the workouts have been unpublished. Now they're ready to run with him. Gonna break his mane. He's gonna go for a great price, maybe thirty to one. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. This horse loves the slump. It's in his bloodlines. His father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother. What did I just say? Come on, let's go up to the office. I'm gonna call my booking. Hey, don't tell anybody. Jerry wakes up and he sees the naked guy on a train. I just, yeah, as you're saying, the response when he first sees a naked guy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> then we get um, naked, dressed. I don't see a difference. And Jerry just completely fat shames him. See, that's your problem. You should be. <laughs> it just felt very much like Jerry Seinfeld speaking from the heart, didn't it? It it didn't feel like there was much acting involved. In it didn't that. at all. No. I feel like Jerry would have had this conversation with somebody at some point in his life. Then we get um, Elaine uh, trying not to panic because the train has stopped. Why couldn't I take a cab? For six dollars, my whole life could have changed. What is that on my leg? I'll never get out of here. What if I'm here for the rest of my life? Maybe I'll get out in five seconds. One banana, two banana, three banana, four banana, five banana. No. I'm still here. Still here. When will they start moving? Move! Move! It's moving. It's moving. Yes. 
I'm just like this in a traffic jam. I just mm. freak out. Why are you going? What is happening here? What the fuck? Why? Go, go, fucking go. Like, you know, you hate it when like you're, you're two or three cars deep at a red light. It goes green. And like two seconds goes by and they haven't started going yet. Oh, you yeah. Freak, you freak the fuck out. Particularly with like an arrow or something. It's like, our time is limited here. Yeah. <laughs> limited? <laughs> how, how long do you give yourself or the car in front of you before you honk the horn? Uh... After the light has changed, probably between probably between six and eight seconds. Six and eight? I give him three. Like one Mississippi, <laughs> two Mississippi, three Mississippi. If you ever started going after three Mississippis, fucking, you're getting the horn. <laughs> Especially at an era, as you were saying. But then George and this lovely woman, they arrive at the hotel room at the hotel. Is it Hotel Edison? Is that right? Edison, correct. And she tells him to make himself feel comfortable. But he doesn't know, what does that mean? Should I take my clothes off? I'm going I'm to take my shoes off. Sit on the bed. <laughs> I appear comfortable. You know, I, I look comfortable. It's, it's a very valid thing, though. I mean, yeah. imagine you know, you're in that kind of situation. It's like, we haven't I confirmed there's going to be sex yet. <laughs> yeah, I think, this, I think this is going this way. But still, yeah, I mean, if she came out and was like, oh, I thought you would have poured me a drink, but here you are with your parts, pieces out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that can be traumatizing. So the struggle is real for George. I understand completely. I did like him, you know, when she rocks out and she's, you know, not undressed, but undressed. It's like, got to tell you, I'm pretty comfortable. (laughs) Then Kramer's in line for the um, the horse, for the horse betting. I love he's, he's now regurgitating the same story to the guy behind him. (laughs) <laughs> uh, by the way, that uh, that actor that he's talking to is a guy named Mark Boone Jr. Uh, Sons of Anarchy fans will know him as uh, one of the uh, one of the members of the motorcycle club. I was very fortunate enough to uh, share a cigarette with Mr. Mark Boone Jr. <laughs> uh, back in the day, back oh about ten years or so ago, when uh, there was a bit of a Sons of Anarchy tour of Australia, and I was emceeing it. Was that really him? Yeah. Bobby, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. He looks a lot different in Sons of Anarchy. He's grown his hair out a bit. He's got a big beard. Sort of a, yeah, bit of a gruff-looking gentleman. And old Booney was a bit that way off off camera, but uh, a good guy. He he seems like the kind of guy that would be loyal to you, just don't fuck with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I had no idea. That's awesome. Because it doesn't mention that on the wiki page or anything like that. You just just tell by looking at him? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I mean, hey, did I, did I mention I've shared a cigarette with him? I kind of know what he looks like. <laughs> That's, uh, so sharing a cigarette with somebody, does that just seem awkward to you now after the whole pandemic? No, not really. <laughs> you, you, you do it again now? Well, I mean, we weren't sharing the same cigarette. We were. Oh, I thought you meant like he was having, a, he was, you know, like, can I have a puff? I thought you meant like you shared a cigarette. Oh, God, no, I wouldn't do that with him. That's what I thought you did. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> no, no, we, we, no, we uh, went out shared for a, a, ni- okay. a nice moment uh, having a cigarette. Uh, yeah, having- yeah, cool. Each having a cigarette. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, as I was saying, yeah, regurgitating the same story that he heard on the um, on the subway. Have you ever had that moment in your life where you've, you've overheard something, you've heard, you've heard a story from somebody, and you claim that story as your own, as you tell somebody else? Uh, no, because I know the value of a story to someone. You're like that? Nah, that's that's like money in their pocket. You can't take that. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather take money from their pocket than take someone's story. I just tell the same stories over and over and over and over again. True, but. He's like, I heard this guy telling this story on the on the train the other day. God, it was funny. And this guy seemed like this, and then this happened, and that. so yeah, I would always attribute. I wouldn't. I could not say, 
something really funny happened to me the other day when it actually happened to this guy. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Jerry is now arguing with naked guy over baseball. I love how it all ends up with, I love their chances. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. I mean, it's great that they've, they've yeah, found this common ground. It's having a, a wonderful conversation. And everyone sort of backed away a bit or yeah. you know, the people are still backed up down the other end. It's like, I don't want to be near this naked guy. But it's just, it's funny, every sports fan at the start of the year, it's always just like, you know, this could be our year. I like our chances. (laughs) I like the chances. (laughs) I'll, you know, Jerry says, you know, I'll sit naked at the World Series with you if we win the pennant. (laughs) You know, I'm going to hold you to that. Elaine is still overreacting over something touching her leg. Everything is just like the slightest thing now is just like the worst Mm. thing in the world. Like she's at breaking point. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, oh. Have you spent much time on crowded subways or tubes or oh, anything like that? Not, not so much tubes, but like crowded, just crowded trains in general. Like on the way to the mm. footy or something, and it's like there's no seats left. You got to stand up. It's like oh god, yeah. and then all of a sudden it slows down. And you're like, oh, why are we slowing down? We're not near a station. What is happening? What is going on? The train driver doesn't give you any update on what's happening. It's like oh my fucking god, it's hot. There's no air conditioning. The guy over there's not wearing pants. What's happening here? <laughs> What the fact, I took all of his clothes. Oh, God. Uh, but then uh, it moves again. She's all happy. And then it stops again. <laughs> George, meanwhile, we cut to George and he gets handcuffed to the bed. And he thinks he's in for some kinky, some kinky loving. But no, it turns out that she starts getting dressed and she starts leaving. I do feel sorry for George here. Like, can you imagine being in this moment? Like, what do you do? The first thing you do is say, <laughs> no handcuffs. It's like, eh, I'd like to... Just use the. I like to use my hands. Yeah, exactly. I, I just don't think handcuffs with someone that you've just met is <laughs> ever going to be a good. On a first date, no. Not on a first date, no, never. No. <laughs> on, on a second date, meh. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So going on. It was a pleasure doing business with you, George. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to get going. Get going, but uh, we haven't really, you know. Uh... Eight dollars? Eight dollars? What are you doing? You're robbing me? I wasted my whole morning on you for eight dollars? Wait, wait a second, what are you doing? I'm taking your clothes. No, 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 that's my only suit! It cost me three hundred and fifty dollars! I got it at Mo Ginsburg! Bye, George. Wait, wait, you can't just leave me here! Will I see you again? Then we get Kramer winning the race. I just thought it was so perfect. It was so awesome. Everything just works out for Kramer. But I forgot that he won this. So like when it when he comes back at the end of wins, like it's just it's so awesome. But then yeah. the guy that he sees, how intimidating was that guy? He was very intimidating. And yeah. Never flash your money. Never flash your winnings, Kramer. No, no, especially to the guy who hasn't won. So the guy that follows him onto the subway train. Um, and it's just, it's very, it's, it's almost like Jason Voorhees-esque, Michael Myers-esque. Oh, know? yeah, it's like the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. The naked guy then joins Jerry to Coney Island and having a great time, and the violinist ends up saving Kramer. Because he's an undercover cop. He is an undercover cop indeed. So, yeah, Kramer's about to get fucked over. The guy's going to pitch his money, but no, it turns out being generous pays off. I suppose it was um it was Elaine that paid the money, but uh, yeah, this undercover cop. I wonder how many undercover cops actually disguise themselves as things like this. Probably, it'd probably be very common. You always see those stories about, well, usually in, in fictional stories. It's like, oh, that female cop working undercover as a hooker. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> that gig sucks. Yeah, exactly. Jerry had so much fun with the naked guy. He's like, he's um, he's telling everyone about it. That the, they spent so much time at the um at Coney Island that the the garage was closed. Didn't bother him. He had so much fun with the naked guy. <laughs> 
Elaine's not interested though because she missed the wedding. She's um she's all sad. She was the best man and she missed it. So to cheer her up, he offers him the monkey that he won from Coney Island. Don't worry, you'll catch the bris. <laughs> George then enters wearing the blanket. Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna! But you're like a Hare Krishna fist on your throat, you little punk. I've got here punk kid. Looks like forty year old man wearing like kid clothes like it was the strange it was the strangest little interaction there yeah you meant to be some kind of street kid or something because yeah you're, you're too old to be mouthing off like that that whole ending with the George Shore just felt a bit weird it's got a bit much just walking in with the blow what he walked all the way from the hotel in a blanket like it just seemed silly <laughs> uh Joe then asks did you did you whistle on the elevator and you know, he's got the spare key to his apartment and he explains that um he needs the spare key because he took his clothes and took his wallet Kramer then says, don't worry, I'll cover the food, throws the money on the table because he won from the from the horse race. And that is the end until we get some stand-up discussing the subway to, uh, to Coney Island. But yes, overall, a really, really, not overly eventful, but still really entertaining episode of Seinfeld. Extremely entertaining, extremely atmospheric. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that subway looked, I mean, of course it wasn't an actual train, but it looked really crummy <laughs> the way that uh, a New York subway train will look. I've only been on one a few times in my life, but it's like, yeah. and this was even after they'd uh, fixed them up in the 2000s because you look at uh, pictures of subway trains in the 80s and the 90s, like, oh my God, they're in such a state, such a state of disrepair and yeah. they're all graffiti to shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, it felt like a little half hour holiday in NYC, courtesy of uh, Seinfeld. So that is our review of the subway. Hope you guys enjoyed. Next episode of Talking Seinfeld, we are going to be reviewing the Pez Dispenser, another iconic episode of the series. Remember, if you want to support the show, if you're enjoying what we're doing here at Talking Seinfeld, you can become a member of the Four Finger Discount Patreon family for as little as one single dollar we do. Uh, patreon.com slash discount link is in the description of this podcast you can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts checking us five stars on Spotify uh, Mr. Davis any final words for those amazing listeners out there well yeah I hate men but I'm not a lesbian <laughs>